0: welcome in the latest episode of that sec podcast brought to you by twisted tea and my bookie i'm your host michael bratton i go by sec mike on twitter and i'm joined as always by my cousin shane who goes by big orange balls on twitter what's up yo tissy Hover? (laughs) <laughs> hey buddy what's going on <laughs> oh doing good Shane but uh really I want to know how mm. you're doing mm. after mm. that big old walk and how about this Shane there's been so many great comments and, yes. and interactions and uh, uh many people on the YouTube they've come up with a new title and I think it's I think it's appropriate it's it's not a walk of shame it's a walk of shame because <laughs> most people would not have done what you did and you're a man of your word, Yeah, and you should be proud of that, and it's it's not shameful, and I, I don't think it is at all.
1: No, no. I, I mean, obviously, you know, when, when my wife asked me about this bet, you know, after we we're done walking and stuff, she says, you know, don't ever do that again, terrible idea, you're an idiot, those sort of things, you know. And yeah. then I was like, well, honey, I had no intentions of walking at all. You know, I, I thought the Tennessee Vols would go down there and win, and uh, they didn't better team prevailed so you know I, I i am a man of my word i don't i'm not always you know i mean you can ask my wife you know I, there's probably moments where i mess up and say stupid stuff i do it on this show all the time i do it constantly as not, well you know what i'm saying it's like we're, <laughs> we're human but you know i knew that honestly they would never stop you know because <laughs> yeah. i'm telling you them gator fans came out of nowhere off the top rope relentless you know, I was expecting it, but the laces up, walk big boy, you know, the comments started flowing Saturday and I was like, damn, I can't, I can't. Or forever, every time I post anything, there'll be 40 gators saying,
2: you liar, you know? So I was like, I
1: got to get out there and do this, but I'm feeling a little better today. I thought, it, you know, because I'm not used to obviously strenuous exercising and, <laughs> But I always thought, like, day three would be the worst. So last night, I was like, I'm not going to – I'm going to be bedridden for, yeah. <laughs> by day three, you know? But it, it's kind of funny how your body does because this morning – I slept I slept probably like 12 hours, no joke. Uh, when I got up, I, I was able to move around. It's the getting up and getting down, yeah. you know, getting in the truck, getting out of the truck. My legs about gave out. I went to the post office, and I almost just – Face planted there in the parking lot because my legs <laughs> just like, nope, we're not ready, you know. But uh, but beyond the blisters and the sunburn and stuff like that, I'm glad I got it done. And, uh, again, I, I appreciate everybody's support. You know, a lot of it was Gator fans, you yeah. know, coming out, respect. And uh, so, you know, that's what it's about. You know, we, we love these college football games. It's it's always a little bit cooler, a little bit more entertaining when you got something riding on it. Yeah. Typically, it's just money, you know. <laughs> it's usually not thirteen miles of walking, but but uh, it, it adds a little bit, and it's going to mean more next year when they play, or the year after. And uh, you know, we got a, we got a long season ahead of us, Mike. We have got nine more SEC games, and
0: and uh, it's some more action after that. So yeah, I'm, I'm pumped up, man. And we got a big one this weekend. Shared a lot of a lot of big games, but. To break down, Ole Miss, Alabama. Yeah. On this episode, we're doing our uh, you know game of the week interviews. We got Pat Smith from uh, WJOX Three Man yeah. Front down there, Hell co-creator yeah. of the Fine Bomb Show, and Michael Katz from the DJ Journal <laughs> to get both sides of it. So two outstanding interviews that we're going to get to here in a minute. But I, on that, yes, sir. I also want to throw out. Yes, sir. Pack the Zoo
1: sent me uh, yep. a Missouri shirt. I appreciate that. Got it. We're going to wear it tomorrow for my picks. Uh-huh. You know, I figure my picks have been god-awful, obviously. Uh, see the message prior to. <laughs> but, uh, maybe this one gets me back on the right path. So I'm going to have that shirt on tomorrow for the picks. And uh just want to, I, again, thank all the Mizzou
0: fans uh, that, that sent the support as well. Yeah. Well, before we get to uh, the mailbag, Shane, a couple things real quick. One scary situation, let's hope for the best here greg brooks l s u defensive back, yeah, former Arkansas defensive back, you know sam Sam Pittman came out here on his what was it Monday press conference, and mm-hmm. you know said you know they'll be thinking about him and praying for him and um i you know when you hear stuff like that, you think it's it's got to be pretty bad right, and they've come out and said, so apparently he had a brain tumor oh l s u defensive back they, they had to he had have emergency surgery and his hope and plan is to play again this year but who knows with something that serious so yeah that's a that's a scary situation and and that's not something a lot of people you know obviously think a young athlete like this has those kind of issues but that's one part of being in high level college football you know if they if they catch they can catch these things quick yeah. they take care of it immediately and that's not something that you think about when well, i'm going to go play at the SEC but also outstanding medical treatment that that you can be provided. So, uh, you know, let let's hope Greg Brooks is back soon and better than ever. You know what? Yeah. Well, you always hear this.
1: Sometimes you kids they catch something, yep. and normally maybe they wouldn't at home or so. I think uh, you know thoughts and prayers are
0: obviously out there. But yeah, if you're thinking about them, send them send them some love. Yeah. Uh, and real quick, how about this one, Shane? I I sent this to you the other day. Channing Crowder, mm-hmm. former Florida linebacker, went on, played for Nick Saban yeah. in the NFL. Shares a story. <laughs> I'm trying not to get all crazy on Saban hate here or anything, yeah. but but I thought this was too good not I didn't really to share like
2: him. He was a dictator, and there's some dictators in the league right now. He was a dictator. He really didn't. People didn't really like him. One time I was in the bathroom with him, and I asked him, "How's your wife?" Because you you can't really connect with Nick Saban. It's, it's Nick Saban. He really doesn't talk to players. I don't think he's called me Channing or Crowder. Two years I played for him, he called me Gator because he remembered when he was at LSU, I was in Florida, and he told me he drafted me because I whooped LSU's ass when they were 12-1 they, that national championship year. So we're in the bathroom, and I say, I, I come, I go start to wash my hands, I look over to him, I said, I'm going to say something to you. Like, I got to say something to the head coach if I'm standing in the bathroom with him. And I said, Coach, house Terry. And he turned to me and he said, she'll be a lot better if you can cover a effing back on third down. And it made me see how his mind works. I wasn't Channing Crowder. I was MLB one. I was a cog in the system. And so if you know that about a coach and you know that he doesn't want a personal relationship with you, he wants to coach you. And as soon as you tear your ACL or tear your Achilles, he's going to find the next guy plug into his system and make it work. He's coached so long, he knows you're going to get traded, you're going to get drafted if you're in college, you're going to get hurt, and he's going to try to find the next guy to be in your place. And plug and plug and play. Saban's a plug and play guy. That's what he does.
0: Oh, Mr. Plug and Play. So I mean, that's an old story. You know, he's yeah. softened. Yeah.
2: He's, uh, maybe that's not Nick
0: Saban we'd get today, but I just thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah seems a little planted there, Lane Kiffin, <laughs> uh, <laughs> to fit your narrative
1: of the decaying dynasty here. But uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's not a good time to have that video floating around, <laughs> you know. But I've also heard stories on the opposite side, yeah. you know, where, I mean, he does go to a lot of these charities with Miss Terry, and it seems like he does care about people. But at the end of the day, I mean you brought him there to win games, and he's won a lot of them. So, you know, maybe he's not the player's coach like some, you know, Shane Beamer or Sam Pittman, but neither one of those have championship trophies in their case either, you know, so I don't know. I I guess you give some to take some, but that's not a good look right (laughs) now.
0: (laughs) And then one other quick clip, Uh, Trent Dilfer, new coach at UAB, they're playing at Georgia.
1: Which it kind of going
0: back uh-huh. to that, I mean, this is that old scenario. And I don't I don't
1: want to just gloss over that conversation. I don't you think I'm an asshole, but it's like doctors, you know. Do I want a doctor that's going to come over there and comfort me and tell me all the stuff, you know? Or do I want the best damn surgeon in the country? You know, I think I think that's what you're weighing. And some people. I got one I'm using in Morristown. You probably know him as a heart doctor over there. The guy's a, he's an asshole, you know? He'll never sponsor the show. He doesn't even like to buy furniture in his lobby. You know what I'm saying? He's <laughs> just a top one. But, when the ticker stops working, that's the guy I want, you know, answering the call. So I, I don't know. That's kind of what I feel like coaches it's you can get a guy in there and he can be a player's coach. And sometimes you need that. If you're not at a place like Alabama or Georgia or LSU, you know, but when you're at one of these lower tier, you may need a player's coach to recruit at a higher level. Yeah, and Alabama's not that way. They, they're always going to recruit at a high level. They need somebody to plug in play. So I don't know. I've kind of taken that one, I guess, two different ways, but uh, that's just my thoughts on it. I see.
0: You're trying not to be a bad guy. I get it. (laughs) I I get it.
1: Oh, gosh.
0: Well, you know who else isn't a bad guy? Tread
1: Dilfer. I'm going to ask him next time I see him, though. How's (laughs) Ms. Terry? I'm going to report what he says to you. You know, it'd be a lot better if you didn't make bad bets on that SEC podcast.
0: (laughs) Tread Dilfer is taking his UAB team into Georgia. And uh, I just thought this was great. Because, of course, Trent Dilfer, he's won a Super Bowl. Yeah. He's seen a lot. Elite 11 MV, uh, ran that camp and all that. Uh, the, uh, SEC fans, I thought, would really appreciate that. played
3: this. in a lot of big-time atmospheres like Athens. Um, how do you –
0: I've never played anything like this. I've been oh. to one SEC game. My daughter's being
4: recruited at University of Alabama, and we went to the Ole Miss-Alabama game. And to this day, I think the Kentucky Derby is the coolest thing I've ever been able to go to, live sports. Uh, I think it's it's better than Super Bowls. An SEC football game at night is way better atmosphere than a Super Bowl. Uh, I think it's the second coolest thing I've ever been to, as a as a spectator. So I'm personally really excited about going and going to an SEC game at night. It's different. I mean, their their slogan is just means more. It's different. It's true.
0: So how about it, Shane? Better mm. than the freaking Super Bowl? Just a regular season? Yeah, and he's right because. I mean, Super Bowl's kind of dead with their – they're just corporate now. It's about the commercials and the halftime and all that BS. But that's thats quite a statement from a guy going to an SEC. This is almost like – you know what? I'm sensing a theme here, Shane. Everyone that has to go to two Athens, they're like – Georgia should have won this championship. Yeah, they got the best home field. They got the best fans. They got the best coach. <laughs> they're they're just trying to butter up them dogs. You know oh, what?
1: Oh yeah, it sounds like a like an interview. You know, like hey SEC, if you need another coach, I'm down here at UAB. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. You know what I'm saying? As he's patting his LinkedIn uh, page there. but no, I I, I I he's not wrong. I've been to a lot of sporting events, and uh, I now I've never been to a Super Bowl um and i hate to say it i've never been to the derby even though it's just right up the road There's, those are a couple of ones i'd like to go to but yeah all the other sports and stuff it's right there uh the only thing i could probably say compared is uh maybe like bristol at night you know that's always i'm not even a real big nascar fan but if you've never been to it you're you're missing out because it is it is a pretty cool environment but uh but other than that man it's just you can't explain it. It's it's an awesome – even if it's a shitty team. I can remember the first game I ever went to with my grandpa. You know, it, it was like not even a – you know, that's when you get your tickets. That's when you take your seven- and yeah. eight-year-old grandsons as if it is <laughs> against a UAB or something like that. But I guarantee you, when you take them there, you, you just – you've imprinted a, a, a memory that that kid will never forget. Yeah.
0: Well, buddy, you ready to get into this mailbag questions? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, I should have read it. I was worried because I didn't read them last time, and, boy, you threw some
0: curveballs at me. So, yeah, I'm ready. All right, this was from Alex Wood, Shane. How long after the 13-mile walk until Cousin Shane got an IV drip of Coors Light? That's what he wants to know.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, actually, this is my first beer right here. Uh, I did not – I thought about doing it yesterday for the show, but – I couldn't. I was doing that liquid IV and and all that stuff. So I was like, I better just steer clear of beer for a day. (laughs) But, no, this is actually my second one for
0: the day. So I'm back in full force, man. All right. How about from uh, Dank Broyles? He wants to know, why did Cousin Shane have to jinx Arkansas? What's your agenda? No agenda. No agenda. (laughs) I promise.
1: I promise, Arkansas. I just – I'm – you know, I think the misconception is that I enjoy it. You know, you got to remember, I'm also down seven hundred dollars. <laughs> you know, I make a hundred dollar bet on each one of these locks, and yeah, and uh, it's not been good. You know, as far as income, but you know, I thought this is, you know, because we all have those games you go into. And you're like, well, th- this team's gonna win. Yeah, there's no way, like. It felt like that with BYU. It felt like, hey, everything I've seen up to this point, there's no reason – and to be honest with you, even coming away from that game, I still feel like Arkansas would beat them eight other times, even yeah. on a neutral field. So – um But then, I mean, there's part of me is like, damn, I am cursed, you know. And if you notice, I've been kind of bouncing around. I don't want to attack just one fan base because my favorite bet last week was really my Tennessee balls, you know. And I sacrificed 13 miles of walking on that guy. So I don't know, man. So that's kind of why I've been spreading my love. So expect a different team to be locked down this weekend. But I'm running out of teams, Mike. There's only so many in the SEC.
0: I did see someone. They said you should lock. Vanderbilt every week, yeah. Just uh, or, or no Vanderbilt's opponent. They said to truly test your powers, and maybe you can get Vanderbilt to the SEC championship because hmm. so, they haven't lost a conference game yet. Well, I will say I have been eyeing <laughs> that Vandy game, but not for Vanderbilt. <laughs> uh, all right, how about this one? I like this one, Shay. You you'll really like this. Yeah, from Cody Garrett. Yeah, if Tennessee gets its shit together. And South Carolina is at its absolute best in that game on the 30th, Neyland Stadium. Mm. Who wins the game and why? Again, if he I, I, he's saying if Tennessee gets better, if South Carolina's at its finest, it's one hell of a game right there. If
1: it gets better.
0: You know, I, I, I'm torn on that because
1: I know what the ceiling for South Carolina is. I don't know what the ceiling is for this Tennessee ball team. Yeah. I guess you could say Virginia, but even then, there was still plenty of drops down the field. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't have that warm, fuzzy feeling that this is the 22 balls. So um, at this moment, I was very cocky, pun intended, all <laughs> summer long. But I'm kind of backing off of that right now, brother. Because if we're getting the best of both of these teams right now, yeah, I know how good South Carolina can be. Hell, they just went to Athens and almost pulled off an upset mm-hmm. between Georgia, which kicked our ass at a you know last yep. year. So right now, I think um, I'm leaning more towards South Carolina, and I'm not. I'm. I just tell me I'm wrong. I mean, where where have you seen a better? Short of a quarterback change or the offensive line just miraculously getting better when Cooper gets back or something mm. like that, we don't even know if he's going to be back. Somebody saying October, right? So there's still a lot of question marks, a lot of holes, a lot of concerns up front on that offensive line. There's less of that with South Carolina, so and our formula is out there on how to beat us, you know. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's my concern.
0: I guess that walk. Got all the optimism Dude. out of you because I was prepared to say, "Here's why you're wrong," mm-hmm. and here's why it's South Carolina, and i I think, I think it's Spencer Rattler. Yeah, and we've already seen him dice up the same secondary to, to record numbers, and he's playing even better now. Yeah, I mean, maybe not as good as that one night, but just better consistently this season than he was last season, and he'll Leggett's fired up. They're trying to get Juice Wells back. He's not going to play this week, but they're hopeful he can play against Tennessee. I, I think it's optimistic. He's, he probably won't, but I don't know. I mean, it, that's Tennessee's probably their biggest weakness is the secondary, you know, right now. So and the third downs, especially. Right. So uh, I kind of lean South Carolina as well, but same thing. i I'm repeating myself on every show I do. Home games, night games. Those are going to be a huge, huge factor this season. This game's in Neyland, of course. Yeah, and they've they just announced this week it's going to be a night game. So South Carolina, I don't care how good they're playing, they're walking into a damn buzzsaw. Yeah, that these Tennessee fans hate them. Josh Heupel apparently hates them and hates Beaver. I didn't really get that till media days. People started telling us, but
1: you know what it feels like. Twenty-one Ole Miss. Mm. Bring your mustard. <laughs> yeah. bring your golf balls i'll be there this is the game i'm going to mike this is the game i've got circled i've been wanting to go to it all all year long since they beat us mm-hmm. last year i've been thinking about this game so where's the tailgates at guys i need to know because i'm I'm coming i'm coming to this one
0: yeah. all right how about this is a great question from rocky topics which sec fan base should be the most optimistic the most worried and the most pissed off right now hmm. and uh i know so you just got these so I've, I've looked at them and i've written some things down so i'll give you mine real quick okay. you let me know now this is the only one i've, I've kind of split into two here because he says most optimistic but he didn't have any other uh context so i don't know if he's talking about winning an SEC and winning a national championship as being optimistic mm-hmm. or just optimistic about the future in general. So, again, I'm splitting this up into two. If he's talking SEC and national title, it's got to be Georgia and LSU. Still, as, yeah. as down as I've been on Georgia. I mean, they get guys healthy. I mean, they, sh- they should roll. So, LSU, Georgia, most optimistic if we're talking championships – now don't you, what did you say championships yes I, I i
1: think so because that is because of no context they're, right I, first thing i thought of was maybe kentucky you know um if you're talking optimism three and oh they're they're starting to figure it out right before sec play and then your your two toughest opponents which we thought was the volunteers of Tennessee and Georgia, well, Alabama, mm-hmm. you know, two of those are not as good as we thought they were. So right. um, now you're looking at, hey, if we beat Georgia, you know, maybe this is our year to to go to an SEC championship. I know it sounds crazy, mm-hmm. but just the trajectory of that program,
0: I would sprinkle a little optimism coming out of Lexington. Now, for the future optimistic, I went Auburn. Yeah. 3-0 Auburn. We get into this gauntlet, we <laughs> might lose some optimism, but the future incredibly bright. Yeah, this will throw this will probably throw you for a loop, Shane. And I'm not totally trying to do a 180. I'm not totally all board with this coach, if I'm being 100 honest. But I think it's Florida. Yeah, the way they're recruiting, and the way they just out coached Tennessee, mm-hmm. and the way those fans showed up. You know, they're hungry. They got a tough, tough, tough road ahead, but. I'd be i be feeling pretty optimistic. When I'm a Florida fan. Yeah, no, it's tough not to after last
1: Saturday. You know, yeah, to finally figure it, it's we've arrived. Um, future optimism, though, I think you. I think you're pretty excited in South Carolina. Uh, We got to see goggles come out and throw. (laughs) throw, I don't know. I can't remember his name. Yeah, I mean, the kid looked. I mean, if you're talking about future, I always like to see what's behind, you know, know, door number two, you know. Yep. And uh, so the future looks bright over there. Um, I don't know. And the schedule, I think, gets a little bit easier um, when we go to this non-division thing. So Mm -hmm. um, I I think their schedules are going to lock in pretty nice. Other optimism? Oh, I would, I think you're right. I think it's the Florida Gators just because Mizzou's got a couple of, you know, I mean, hell, they're getting some of the best recruits out there. So there's a little optimism up there, but also think about Florida. It's like when you, as long as you keep laying in those top 10, top five recruiting classes, well then you can compete with anybody. So, Mm -hmm. and, uh, if they've already figured out with, with me, uh, yeah, I'm going Florida. How about most worried? I got two here. Most worried. Um, I'm going Arkansas. Hmm. I, I just think that we're. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't know where we're at with them. Um yep. You know. I I keep thinking that this is the year that they take that big step forward. Um. But I've been thinking that since COVID, and it doesn't. We just haven't seen it yet. So KJ's gone next year um rockets probably gone next year so what does that team look like moving forward so i i would i would be a little bit more worried about the future of arkansas mm-hmm. and not to mention they've been there through the the and of course maybe we have too with the morris years yeah. and stuff like that so we that's still looming not too far ago and we just don't want to we don't want to go back to that so um a little worried there and then of course alabama um <laughs> I mean, Nick Saban, say what you want, I feel like is is fighting for for his future. <laughs> that sounds crazy, but, yeah. you know, I, I think people are going to take – if they lose a couple more games throughout this year, I think they're going to have to make some tough decisions down there because it's going to start affecting this recruiting trail.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I had Alabama on here. But I think they could flip that if they pick up some wins. Yeah. I think the most worried SEC fan base right now, Mississippi State. Mm. Because
1: Yeah, that's that's a good uh, one.
0: You know, we don't we still don't know what we got as a head coach. We may have made a huge mistake at offensive coordinator. I don't know. That if, if I'm Mississippi State, I'm I'm hitting the panic button. But again, you go on the road. You beat South Carolina, you flip that narrative pretty – that's what I love about all this. We we get panicked, and then it can change in a hurry. But Florida fans were panicked two weeks ago. You just need some big wins. Yeah.
1: And, and and I guess you could say that about any fan base, but Mississippi State needs that to – I see what you're saying. Um, because there's – Arnett doesn't – he doesn't woo you at the stand, you know. I mean, I, I, I don't have a conversation with him and say, you know what, that guy – Mm It's going to bring us a title. You know, you're not thinking that. Even though he's probably one of the most qualified, you know, defensive minds out there, he's still, you know, he's not fun like the Pirate. He's not fun like Lane Kiffin down the street, you know. There's not not a lot of people are talking about Mississippi State right now, and they used to, Mm -hmm. you had a little taste of that.
0: So, um, yeah, I
1: could see where you're coming from.
0: Now, most pissed off, I, I got one fan base here as well. Do you want to go, you want to hear my Tennessee? yeah volunteers <laughs> are pissed off We were there, Mike. We had eleven uh. <laughs> wins, you
1: know we're back being talked about top five teams, we got good recruiting classes. We got a hell of athletes around. our defense is supposed to be better. Joe's supposed to throw a hundred yards every time and and we haven't done shit. So <laughs> I, I, they rightfully so. Needs to be because some tough decisions are gonna need to be made over there. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep losing. Yep.
0: So All right, how about this one, Shay, from John Chavis? Not the real John Chavis. Could, be. <laughs> Could be. The Chief. <laughs> <laughs> they ever tell you the chief story I told you once, right? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Alabama used to have a monopoly on superior offensive and defensive line play. Is the dynasty decaying because they don't have the Jimmys and Joes, or is it a coaching issue from Saban running everyone off? I don't necessarily think it's Saban running everyone off, but it is to me. It's coaching and development Mm -hmm. has been severely lacking because all we heard, all these people who called me an idiot, Shane, it's the most talented roster in the country, you dummy. You know, you got this guy. We got that guy. which is the best offensive line. We got this five-star, this four-star. We added this transfer. The fact that Alabama's been having to be saved by transfers the last three seasons, mm-hmm. that's when I knew that development was a huge issue. Yeah. And it has been. And I don't see any stars on this team uh, at, at skill positions. I don't see any – you know, offensive linemen that, that stand out, even though they're all five stars, essentially, I I think it's development because they get whoever the hell they want. Yeah. And they got more NIL than anybody. Yeah. And when they, the one year they didn't, they finished number two. Oh, Saban complain, and they signed a number one class. I wonder how that happened, Shane. Yeah. I, I know how it happened, and everybody who doesn't have their head in the sand knows how it happened, too. So, again, that's playing by the rules now, but everybody's playing by the same rules. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's a problem for Alabama, but it's doesn't seem to be a problem for Georgia. You know what I mean? So mm, I think it's I think it's development is, well, it's, is the issue.
1: You're you're right. It's a team full of nobodies. And not that there aren't nobodies. They were studs growing up. Five yeah. star I mean, Kool-Aid, I mean that's that's the only guy that outside of Alabama people probably recognize. Like, isn't that the kid from Alabama? Yeah. But but that's not Alabama. Every growing up or just you go back to to King Henry and Mark Ingram and you know these all the defensive guys that have come through there. It's like you had three or four names that you knew, like those are some dudes, and that we're not seeing that from from Alabama, which is unusual, even at running back. You know, so yeah, uh, yeah, I' gonna have to create a little bit of that, but I think it's more about the coaches, in my opinion. Uh, you talked about development, you know, we've seen this with, with businesses. We've all had that job where we're like, how did this manager get his job? You know, that's these coaches. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if nobody wants to work for that manager, it, it, you know, that department's going to suffer. And that's exactly what we have here. And maybe the CEO needs to come down here and, and do some, some soul searching and, and, and bring some folks in that can get them to the next level. And it may be names you don't want to see. It may be names you hate. But if they can get the best out of that department, then we've i I think honestly, after this year, we're going to have to have a rebuild, and it may still have Nick as the CEO, but
0: underneath him we've we've got to gut this thing out. Yeah, all right, how about uh, last one? Shane from Merkin Mertz? I have to imagine he's a big Florida fan. who is most likely to challenge Georgia for the East title And for me Shane? Probably going to ooh, well no, I just threw a curveball my own way, but we'll we'll see. We'll see how Mizzou responds. I bet that's probably your answer, but I think I'm gonna go Kentucky. But hell, you know, I think what really dictate it in a week from now, Florida plays at Kentucky. I think the winner of that game is the answer. Who do you think is the is the biggest challenge to just <sighs>
1: I, I, you know, ultimately comes down to Florida, mm. and Mizzou, mm. in my opinion. Mm. I, I nothing against Kentucky, but I think Alabama is going to be bigger than than they think, you know. And maybe they make Alabama bigger than they are.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: can they beat Bama? Absolutely. You've been on record saying this, but I'm thinking about an easier path, and yeah. I like Mizzou. They got LSU at home. Where's Florida LSU? At LSU. Okay, so. Yeah, let's let's make that the pivotal game that helps decide. Obviously, Georgia is in the path. You've got it. Where are that? Where's those
0: games? I'm just looking at Florida's schedule though, because yeah. I know the, I, we're trying to be optimistic. It's great. They're doing they're doing great, Shane. <laughs> they got at Kentucky coming up, Ooh, then Vandy, uh-huh. which, but then this is the the critical part: at South Carolina, mm-hmm. Georgia in Jacksonville, Arkansas at LSU. At Missouri, Florida State. I mean, how in the hell are you going to survive that last six? You know, f- three and three would is probably a great record out of those six. Yeah. Considering it's at South Carolina, at LSU, at Missouri. Second –
1: I I think we all agree that Georgia
0: is the East. Mm-hmm. But that second tier, that second round – Could be anybody. Anybody. Could be Tennessee. It is completely – We did we even say South yeah. Carolina. Could be South Carolina, Mizzou – Anybody but Vanderbilt, essentially. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's
1: exactly it. We and Florida wasn't supposed to be in this, and now they're right there at the top. So right, and and you know if they can catch Georgia, that's what it is. You got to catch Georgia off, and then you get a two game you know lead on them. So uh, that's why it's going to be a wild year, brother. Yeah, And everybody, nobody,
0: ever shit going to be a wild year brother <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well before we get to our interview shane let's remind the audience we're brought to you by my bookie head on over to mybookie.ag today and put in that promo code that sec that's t-h-a-t-s-e-c to get an instant 50 percent initial deposit bonus for all new users over at mybookie.ag today and shane remember you calculated it if someone just faded your picks, if they have signed up for my bookie for with what would you say, 100 bucks? Yeah,
1: the, I think I figured it up on 200.
0: 200 bucks. Yeah. You get that instant 50. So you get 300 bucks in your account today. You just fade chain. Had you done that every single time so far this year, how much would be in their $38, bank? $38,000. That's
1: like, you know what I'm saying? That's a nice Dodge Charger. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Saban, come on. (laughs) Uh, So head on over to buybookie.ag today. Put in that promo code, that SEC. Uh, Also brought to you by Game Time Sidekicks. Shane's got his Game Time Sidekicks. I got mine right here. We promise you will not be disappointed with your Game Time Sidekicks. Head on over to gametimesidekicks.com. This is officially licensed NCAA tumblers, cups. This is the outstanding quality and you go to the checkout you put in that promo code sec they'll give you 20 percent off your entire order over at game time sidekicks there's links to all of this in the show notes please help the show take advantage of these outstanding sponsorship opportunities
1: i'll tell you this man that dog bowl if you get it It'll be the last one you ever buy. That thing is lasting forever. (laughs) A lot longer than I will. I can already
0: tell. (laughs) Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and picks a flavorful punch. 5% alcohol, and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering on your favorite SEC team. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love of college football. Keep it twisted. The podcast is also brought to you by Game Time. Head on over to GameTime.co. And use promo code that S E C T H A T S E C for $20 off your first purchase. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. Game Time is the place for the last minute ticket sales. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Head on over to GameTime.co snag tickets without the stress download the game time app create an account and use code that sec for 20 bucks off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem that sec for 20 bucks off download the game time app today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed all right buddy let's kick it over to our interview outstanding stuff here pat smith one of our favorites over there wjox three man front great conversation all right. Well, we're pleased to be joined by one of our favorites there, Pat Smith. Of course, you know him, co-host a three-man front down there in Jocks. Everybody knows the name Jocks. That's an SEC football fanatic, and he's also uh, the, the co-founder of the Paul Fine Bob Show. Pat, thank you so much. Paul Fine.
4: Uh, Paul, who? Who was that?
0: <laughs> yeah, just a guy. I think that's another day. Most, most. I think. You, I think you're familiar don't.
4: with him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think you're familiar with
0: him. Yeah. So, Pat, we haven't seen you since uh, media days. It's, it's it's an honor to have you back on the show. Thank you so much.
4: No, no, the, pl- the pleasure is all mine. And I, I, what in the world could you want to talk about? What is going <laughs> on, right, with the Alabama Crimson Tide? So, no, I appreciate the invite.
0: Yeah, I, and, uh, you know, you're as plugged in as anybody down there, so I, I knew I had to talk to you. And speaking of Feinbaum, I've heard him reference it. I think everybody by now knows who Josh Pate is. I've heard him reference it. So I wanted to go directly to you, Pat, and just share what you have heard. Because like I said, I've I've heard multiple people hear this, and I don't know. So that's why I'm asking you. Was there any kind of revolt? I don't know if that's the right word. Did players kind of quit during that South Florida game? What's your read on what happened there in that just ugly, ugly win last weekend?
4: Well, it was ugly. To, to say the very least. Uh, one of the worst ones that we've seen since Nick Saban has been at the University of Alabama. But to answer your question with a very short answer, no, there wasn't a revolt. The bottom line is, is that this offense is still trying to figure itself out. Tommy Reese is trying to get its sea legs, so to speak, in regards to what they're going to do. I've talked to a lot of people because there have been a lot of rumors flying around about Jalen Milroe Was he suspended is that why you didn't see him for the game of course he was on the sideline cheering his teammates on I truly believe Mike what happened in that football game is they're still trying to figure some stuff out but if you look at their schedule and before you got into SEC play this really was the last opportunity for them to try to see what they had with Buckner and with Ty Simpson and lo and behold they didn't think that they were going to be in a dog fight with South Florida the offensive line didn't play well at all. They got no momentum going from the quarterback play. It came a flood. The field was a mess. There was a lot of, you know, extenuating circumstances that took place in the game. But as far as any type of player revolt, now the players did have a player-only meeting on Sunday afternoon, but that's because they don't believe that they're playing up to the standard that many people around the Alabama football program believe that they're playing at right now. So to answer your question, revolt, no is everybody a little bit irritated about the way that they have performed? Yes. A lot of people looking in the mirror, trying to figure out where they go from here, but from a quarterbacking situation on Saturday, they firmly believe that that was going to be their last opportunity to see who was going to be that backup to Jalen Milrow. And I think they got their answer based on how poorly Buckner played.
0: So is it safe to assume that, I mean, they're just all aboard now with Jalen Milrow moving forward and, uh, you know, how paramount is it that Tommy Reese makes some adjustments to to play to the strengths of Jalen Monroe, something I think he, he struggled mightily to do in, in that Texas game?
4: No doubt. Um, it's very important. I mean, not only is it the first SEC game, but it's the first game being at home since after the Texas debacle. And that's exactly what it was. You were ahead in the fourth quarter, but for whatever reason, you couldn't add on points. Defense didn't play well. You saw what happened. It's very important to You know, Tommy Reese was hired because he is this great new mind in college football from an offensive standpoint. And unfortunately for Alabama fans, they haven't seen that the first few weeks. I mean, Berger McFarlane is is ripping the guy a new one on the broadcast uh, on ABC on Saturday. And a lot of fans feel the exact same way. I mean, they I think they would take Bill O'Brien back this week on my radio show. I mean, yes, that's what you're hearing. I'll bring back Bill O'Brien. I mean, you know, Belichick's going to get rid of him. Bring him back to Tuscaloosa. So it's just funny how this works out. But you've got to see – I think Bama fans want to see – they understand it's not Bryce Young. They understand that you don't have Devontae Smith or Mechie or, or Williams. They know that they don't have that but they got to see some downfield operation. They got to see him make some better choices and they believe Reese has not put them in the best possible situation to be successful. And so it is vitally important on Saturday, especially against Lane Kiffin and Pete Golding that they do that.
0: Now, you hit on an important part there, uh, Pat, because this is why I kind of started the whole decaying dynasty type deal where where are these playmakers? Because it's not like they're you know they're they're adding five stars uh, at receivers and and running back and maybe that's part of the equation. It shouldn't all be on Jalen Milroe. Maybe it's not all all on Tommy Reese. But where are all these playmakers? Because the last several years it seems like the only time Alabama has one is when they bring one in via transfer. Where it, there seems to be a massive massive issue in either uh, d- developing or identifying players that can come in here and contribute. Where, where are the playmakers for Alabama?
4: That is the million-dollar question. Don't mean to throw out an NIL idea of a million-dollar <laughs> wide receiver. But uh, it basically comes down, in my opinion, to development. They've had no problems getting these four and five stars to Tuscaloosa, as you've just mentioned. But for whatever reason, they get them on campus, and over the course of the last two to three years, they have not been developed to the level that you saw the Devontae Smith the Jerry Judys of the world or the Waddles. just you, you don't see that. You have a lot of talent down there, and I think that's why it's so perplexing to a lot of people around the program. Why is this guy not taking that next step up? And I think that also now goes to the position coaches. You know, Why are you continuing to not have those guys being developed? And I think you have to have a hard look at that coaching staff and what they need to do to try to get these guys In that ability to be the next go-to guy, because as you see the recruiting rankings, Mike, all the time, just like, it's not like Alabama's 25th in recruiting. I mean, they're bringing in some top talent at that position. But for whatever reason, the last two or three years they are not being developed. And at this point in time, you have to say that is on the coaching for not being able to take those guys to the next level.
0: Mm hmm. And how surprised are you by the struggles from the offensive line? I know your, your colleague down there at Jocks, Cole Kublik. Mm-hmm. I, I lean on him when it comes to this sure, stuff. Sure, we all do. I, I'm not qualified to, to break down offensive line to, to his level. And, and you know, I, again, we don't need to bury him, but he, he led many people, and not just him, but many people uh, touted this offensive line, and it, it's not been there. And, you know, I, w- when they hired Eric Wolford from Kentucky, I heard Kentucky was happy to, that he was gone. Now, Mm. you take it with a grain of salt because that's something I hear a lot when someone leaves, and and this wasn't just fans. This was coming from within that building. Uh, Do we have an issue, do you think, at at offensive line coach? And and back to my original question, how surprised are you that they're struggling to this degree?
4: Struggling to this degree, we're, we're all extremely shocked by it. And the reason why is because before fall camp got started, you heard Nick Saban multiple times bring up, you know, hey, guys, we, we have seven or eight guys that we believe can compete on that offensive line. And so everyone's thinking, okay, it's about to be back to joyless murder ball. That's what we kept hearing. It's going to be bully ball. Alabama's going to line up two tight end sets. They're going to run it down your throat. They're going to control the clock. So you don't have to have Bryce Young at quarterback. You don't have to have Jalen Milrow throw for 350 yards a game. You line up with the running back core that they have. The running back room is one of the most talented in the SEC. You put them behind the biggest offensive line in all of college football, bigger than a lot of NFL offensive lines. They're going to be able to play smash-mouth football. They're going to be able to put a hat on hat, and they're going to push you around, and it's bully ball. We have not seen that. We didn't see it in the Middle Tennessee State game. Texas had more talent on the field than Alabama did. We certainly didn't see it against South Florida. My goodness, tied 3-3 and you're trying to run the ball, you're not dominating in the trenches at all. So you have to go back, just like we talked about wide receiver, Mike. You have to raise a question about the way that they're coaching because you're starting a freshman at left tackle who was, you know, supposed to come in here and be the next first-rounder from the offensive line, and he's given up week after week multiple sacks. Bama gives up five sacks to South Florida last week in Tampa. It's concerning, very concerning. An Alabama team has never given up as many sacks as they have over the course of the first three games of the season. So they're looking at everything down there. And when I say everything, I know Lane Kiffin brought up the whole who's calling the defensive signals. Is it, you know, is it Kevin Steele? Is it T-Rob? Like, what is going on? I think Nick Saban is taking a hard look, and it's tough to do in the middle of a season. But I think that there is a process going on. We like to use that word down here, process what nick uses all the time of evaluating everything because you have to right now because this team it's one thing losing to texas it's another thing when you go on the road and play one of the worst fbs teams over the course of the last five years and you put forth the effort that you did defense was lights out but offensively speaking one of the worst performances we've seen alabama offensively wise since nick saban has been in tuscaloosa since 2007
0: right Well, I'm glad you referenced – I had to ask you about Kiffin and his comments with Kevin Steele and everything, and uh, I have it, Pat, from multiple people that this is – that was a planted question that Kiffin wanted asked so he could give that response. Now, again, that's not to to bury the person that asked the question. I don't really care about that. The point being is Kiffin wanted this out there to start this week, big week for for him and his program, and now he knew that was something that Nick Saban was going to have to deal with all week – Uh, what, what, what's your thoughts on that, this whole debacle here?
4: Um, I will tell you this, uh, covering Lane Kiffin when he was in Tuscaloosa, who was one of the best offensive coordinators. I still believe Sarkeesian, by the way, was a better offensive coordinator. And I think he proved that against Alabama and Bryant-Denny stadium. I think he was a better offensive coordinator at Bama than Lane Kiffin was, but I think Lane Kiffin was sitting on the back porch with his dog juice and he knew at 12 noon on Monday that Nick Saban was going to get riled up and that he was going to have to address what Lane Kiffin dropped just happenstance on a Sunday night that, oh, yeah, doesn't look like Kevin Still is calling plays anymore. And knowing that Kevin Still and Nick Saban are cut from the same cloth and they've been coaching together numerous times throughout their career, that Nick Saban was probably going to take the bait, and he did. He got trolled. He took the bait. He talked about it, and I could just see Lane Kiffin sitting on his back veranda before he gave his Monday afternoon press conference, and he's patting juice on the head, and he's saying, I got him, didn't I, boy? I got him, didn't I? Yeah, this is great. And he's just sitting there just like twiddling his thumbs going, this worked perfectly. Because then Kiffin can come out at his press conference and said, Well, you know, I wasn't trying to raise any questions or anything, you know. No, 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 no. We all know over here in Alabama that he would walk on broken glass to get the Alabama job the moment Nick Saban decides that he wants to retire. I don't think he's going to get the job at Alabama, but he wants the job. So anyway, it's not surprising that he did that. I've talked to a lot of people in Tuscaloosa. There's no indication that there has been a change at the defensive coordinator position Obviously, the rainstorm and everything that took place there in the stadium, there was some communication issues. And, you know, T-Rob was doing what he was doing on the sideline because Kevin still's up top in the booth. So it's just Lane being Lane. Remember, he loves to tell everybody to get the popcorn out, and that's just what we're used to over here when it comes to Lane Kiffin.
0: Do you think Kiffin will have some uh, some tough – Questions to, to answer with that fan base, though, if, if after this, you know, the trolling and, and talking a big game and they lay an egg on Saturday and Alabama, you know, hypothetically beats Ole Miss once again. Uh, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine this is this this stick is going to go over well if, if he just keeps losing in these big games.
4: Well, I think you're absolutely right, Mike. And, and the other thing to always keep in mind is that so last year when there was this flirtation with Auburn, that the Ole Miss people – I mean, they stepped up big time. They stepped up big time in NIL. They stepped up by a commitment that you have never seen from an Ole Miss coach, including the one that went to a Final Four that they just hired. Um, The level of the monetary investment that they have in that program now is unheard of for a guy and for a program that has never been to an SEC championship game. So, you know, at some point he is going to have to start winning these type games you and I both know in this conference, it is great, whether it's Shane Beamer putting out Soldier Boy videos or Lane Kiffin tweeting out Taylor Swift videos. Man, that's fantastic. I love it. In the sports talk business, I love it. I welcome it. But when you don't win games and you don't win championships, that fan base is going to go, you know what? This isn't as cute as I thought it was because at the end of the day, when they're writing those checks for NIL and for Lane Kiffin to stay in Oxford, they want to see a competitive team – not just someone that wins the Egg Bowl, but they want to see somebody that can knock on the door to Atlanta and knock on the door for the college football playoffs. So this is a big step for him this weekend. And if he doesn't win against probably, let's just be honest, probably one of the weaker Alabama teams that you've seen in a very long time in Tuscaloosa, the question is when's he ever going to win? So I think that's the question that Ole Miss fans will have to answer if they don't get a win on Saturday.
0: Yeah, so clearly a lot of pressure on Kiffin, but I think a ton of pressure on Alabama too. Would you Mm -hmm. agree with this, Pat, that if they lose this game, because I I think they got much more difficult games remaining, uh, I think the wheels could come off here. Is is that fair or or am I jumping the gun a little bit?
4: No, I don't think you're jumping the gun at all, Mike, because the, the way that these rosters are put together now and because of all the options that certain players have and until you get to next year where you have an expanded playoff let's just be honest if if you lose two games you're out of the college football playoff no team has ever been awarded a spot in the CFP with two losses so it's not going to happen then at that juncture you've got a loss in the SEC then you've got much more tougher opponents coming up on the road whether it's Texas A&M you got to go to Auburn don't forget you got Tennessee and you got LSU at home So this schedule is a very tough one. And if you can't get this one at home against Ole Miss, then, yeah, this one could be one that we have not seen since 2007 in regards to this Alabama football team. It, It starts becoming much more difficult to find wins on that schedule. And then you just don't know the psyche or the mentality of the kids on this roster moving forward if you're not playing for an SEC West or a chance to go to the CFP.
0: Mm-hmm. Now I'm not putting this out till Thursday, Pat. Have you made a a prediction for the game? Uh, Ole Miss at Alabama. Who do, who do you think wins?
4: I think this is going to be a a low 30s type game. I think Bama squeaks it out. Final 33-31.
0: Okay. Oh, scoring everything. I like it. So uh, I I did want to ask you real quickly here about uh, Auburn too, going to Texas A and M. That's a big. Big game, obviously, undefeated Auburn, but they've not yet been tested. What's your confidence level that they can go on the road and compete with Texas A&M this weekend?
4: Uh, it's very low. And, and the reason why is because Hugh Freeze has done a tremendous job rebuilding this roster. He has mended the bridges, the fences, with all the high schools that Brian Harson torched because he didn't have a relationship with. He's brought in 40 guys that he's tried to manage with this roster The problem with Auburn is they're still trying to find their way offensively. Yes, this is a step in the right direction from an SEC roster. But when you look at Texas's roster and then you look at what's coming up with Georgia's roster and what's coming up with LSU's roster, the next few weeks could be very painful for Auburn fans. But they also understand that this is part of taking the medicine to be able to next year to be able to potentially compete for a maybe a CFP or get to an SEC championship game. I think it's going to be rough. I think it's going to be tough to go to College Station this week, the way that Bobby Petrino and that offense has been clicking. Auburn's still trying to find its way offensively, but more than anything, Auburn has got a lot of injuries on that football team right now, and so I'm just really not sure if they've got enough Jimmys and Joes as of right now for this weekend to compete at the level that they think that they should be able to compete at. It could be a rough next couple of weeks, Mike. But this Auburn program is definitely trending in the right direction.
0: Now, I agree with everything you just said. That's a very sensible take. But sensible and Jimbo and A&M do not belong in the same sentence. So if- I know
4: you've been all over. <laughs> I know you have been. And listen, the, the, the Bobby Petrino thing here in the state of Alabama with Bobby Petrino trying to stab Tommy Tuberville in the back to get the job mm-hmm. with Jet Gate when he was at Louisville, trust me, all that stuff. Um, but you do have to give them at least credit. I know the schedule might not be murderer's row when it comes to college football, but at least from an offensive standpoint, they've at least put up, I believe I read the most points in three games. It took them seven games last year to get to the point total that they're currently at. So um, Auburn is a little concerned about that.
0: I'm just saying if they, if they lose someone, someone's getting fired or or, Jimbo, Jimbo may already be on the hottest seat in the country, it's, it's going to be scorching hot if he loses to this Auburn team at home this weekend. That's, that's, those are my words, not yours. <laughs>
4: uh, well, I, I, I will say this, and, and, and not, we've talked to a lot of people around that Auburn program, and even Hugh Freeze kind of hinted about it earlier this week. Most Auburn people do not believe that they can go down there with this rendition of an Auburn football team and beat Texas A&M. If they do walk out of there with a the win, I subscribe to what you're saying because it's one thing going to Miami and losing to a a good Miami Hurricanes team, but it's another thing in your own backyard to get beat by an Auburn team whose roster is just put together with as many transfer portal guys as you could possibly find in a quarterback situation that if Alabama wasn't having all the quarterback problems in Tuscaloosa, the Auburn quarterback issue would be the bigger story. But unfortunately, you know, right now, especially in this state, it's it's about Alabama not playing to the standard that we're used to seeing.
0: Right now, Pat, before you go, can you tell my audience uh, how to follow you online and, and how to check out the the show three man front? That's where I go for all my Alabama and Auburn news that ESPN national people break. Uh, they break the news a couple of days after you guys already broke it.
4: Well, I appreciate that. Uh, yes. You can listen to us. Me and from Roberts, Conrad Van Order, Molly Robinson we got a great show, fun show, 10 to 2 every day. You can go to jocksfm.com, listen daily. You can follow me on Twitter, at PatSmithRadio. I try to put out some fun things. Not as humorous as you and Cousin Shane, but I try. I try to do what I can. Is is Shane okay? I've seen he's been walking a lot. Is he good?
0: He is not okay. I'll I'll just be honest with you. He is struggling today after that 13-mile consecutive. That 13-mile. I we, I, th- I tried to cheat it. I tried to think of ways, like, and he said, no, I'm doing it. And I, hey, Good for him. Yeah, he, it, it was a sight to behold. Be you know,
4: and, and I can give you a little behind the scenes. We'll talk, and next time you're on Feinbaum, you can bring this up. So, yeah. you know, Feinbaum had a bet years ago, and he made the statement that if Auburn beat Alabama, this is during Pat Dodd's regime. He said, you know, I will drive a tractor from Birmingham, Alabama, to Auburn, Alabama, you know, if Auburn beats Alabama. Well, Auburn beat Alabama. And so the way Paul got around it is that Paul drove to Auburn in his car, then got on a tractor right outside Jordan-Hare Stadium, and then (laughs) rode in for the photo op with Coach Pat Dye. So I didn't know if Cousin Shane actually did the thirteen. or you got a video of him starting, and then at thirteen he's all you know. You spritz him with water, and then all of a sudden you know he's oh thirteen miles. So good no, for cousin Shane.
0: No, it was legit. So I, I do I appreciate the kind words, and uh, I'll tell cousin Shane you say hello.
4: Uh, please do, Mike. Any my pleasure, brother. Any Man,
0: what a what a legend, <laughs> Pat is. You know, I mean, great stuff from him, and uh, always have a good time with him.
1: Uh, you know, and I got to meet him for the first time at media day. He's a really cool guy. Yeah. A lot of stories. I mean, this guy have seen has seen it all, you know. So, <laughs> I really appreciate that interview and he, he you know, he got me thinking. Do you think Lane Kiffin, like if you were to get True Serum and he is just him and you talking, do you think in his mind that Alabama is realistically an opportunity for him in the future?
0: I th- I bet Lane thinks that, yeah. Yeah.
1: Because do you, well, and doing these games, you know, saying this stuff, kind of getting the fan base ticked off a little bit. Oh, yeah. Know, I felt it with yeah. that there.
0: Do you do you feel like that's hurting his odds? I mean – Maybe that's why he's doing it, Shane, because he wants that job and he's not on the list. Yeah. That could be part of it, you know. Yeah, I just wanna he's, he's a guy that's been – I don't want to say handed, but he's, he's had wild opportunities that other yeah. coaches don't get. Hell, his first job, I think he was like thirty one. He was the head coach of the Raiders. Yeah. Didn't even do well, and then he got Tennessee. Yeah. Then he got so you know what I mean? Like he, Southern Cal, dream jobs, yeah. I mean, and he's not done anything to earn those. Right. Now I think he's doing a hell of a job at Ole Miss. Yeah. But yeah, I mean I imagine a guy like that who's son of a coaching legend. He'd be better
1: pretty pissed. Better he, offensive coordinator, Lane Kiffin or
0: Sarkeesian hmm i'd, I'd go insane. kiffin kiffin i think so yeah i think people get so mad when i say this thing i think the covid year that was like a complete bullshit year yeah i mean hell jimbo was good coach that year yeah. you know <laughs> there was no there was half fans quarter fans in the stands yeah players were quitting left and right they were just calling it opt out that, that was quitting mm-hmm. uh you know unique schedule yeah i mean he was great that year i, I hand it to him yeah but he also had an all-star roster Surrounded by, you know, again, teams that were quitting left and right. You know what yeah. I mean? So, I don't know. I I just shat <laughs> on their entire 2020 <laughs> yeah. championship, but it is what it is. Well, hey, our other interview, Shane, want to kick it over to the old Miss side. Our buddy Michael Katz from a DJ Journal. Let's kick it over to him. All right. Hey, we're pleased to be joined by Professor. I think I have to call him Professor now. Professor Michael Katz from the DJ Journal covers Ole Miss for the Northwest Mississippi DJ Journal, of course, Michael, my man, how's it going?
3: Good, man. Just, uh, you know, uh, as always, another normal week covering Ole Miss.
0: <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't want to get too into the weeds. Uh, and, again, feel free, if you don't want to talk about any of this, we don't have to. But it's my understanding, Michael, that uh, this this all started on, like, a Sunday uh, teleconference-type deal where I believe this is even new, And the, and the point of it is, all right, let's close out the previous game, and then on Monday we'll get into the the upcoming one. And right off the of bat, let's talk Nick Saban. <laughs> and not only that, but my God, the uh, the you know probably the coach comment of the year so far with with the Kevin Steele stuff. What what do you make of all this?
3: Yeah, so it, it's funny the way it happened because we had been told leading in that uh, you know maybe it's a possibility that the, that we would start doing these teleconferences and, and I and I understand it like I understand that's that's how coaches work right mm-hmm. that game is done what's well, I don't want to talk about it anymore and, and I understand that um, but we found out like Sunday afternoon maybe like an hour and a half before it was like hey like we're doing the teleconference today I was like oh all right well okay I'm, I'm around like uh, I can I can zoom in and. You know, like you said, we were under the impression that it was going to be, uh, you know, let's let's talk about the last game, let's let's finish up Georgia Tech, and next day when we meet with him in person, we can move on, on to the Alabama stuff. And like you said, like, the very first question uh, was about facing Kevin Steele's defense, and Lane dropped the grenade, uh, that he doesn't think that he's calling the plays and that it was somebody else, and... Uh, they opened up this whole thing, and I've been thinking a lot about why he would say it. And I think there's a part of it that uh, there's a little gamesmanship. I think anything you can do to ruffle feathers or get people talking. Now, would it be my move? No, not if I knew what Alabama had done to that team in the past uh, few years. Um, but you know especially like this is a, this is I guess a, a quote unquote vulnerable. Alabama team. It's not maybe the one that we've seen in recent years. Not not yet, anyway. Just like just like just, just get ready for the game. Just just let it. No, there's no need for any of that stuff. And uh, you know, it, it's interesting because Lane does have so much respect for Saban. Um, he is he is he he owes he he is he is indebted to Nick Saban. He has said that. Right. He has said that he you know hired him right after he got fired from my alma mater on the tarmac, and really kind of saved saved his career to an extent and uh there's there's a lot of respect there and I know that lane I know that, that there's mutual respect but I also think that there's there's just always there's always the chance that lane is 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 going to is going to do something uh and this was that something and I don't I don't know what it's I don't know what it's going to do it's certainly entertaining because we were all sitting there and we're like wait did did, did he just say that and then just like kept going um right. and then it was like yeah like you know I don't know what happened between now and the Texas game but you know it looks different and I was just like can't believe we're doing this right now and of course then somebody had to ask Saban about it and mm-hmm. Saban of course yeah and I think that's part of it too is uh you want Saban to you have to deal with stuff it's it's there's so much gamesmanship going on uh it's never normal when when, when Ole Miss plays Alabama and this was uh, this still be my third one this is the weirdest start i think of course i don't think anything will ever be uh right before the game in 2021 with the um get your popcorn ready and then losing 42 21 (laughs) that's probably takes the case
0: and then adding another layer to the whole thing this is the last thing i'll I'll ask you about this i promise but and i don't want to put you in an awkward spot so you don't have to call out anybody or you don't even have to confirm or anything but i've i've been told that that was a planted question. Would, could you, would you believe that?
3: Uh, I mean, listen, I know this kind of stuff happens. I mean, yeah. I think it happens everywhere. Um, I, I can't confirm it. Cause I, I don't know, you know, the person who asked it, I haven't asked them and uh, I don't, I don't want to assume like the worst in that situation, but. but I think the point uh, yeah. being though, is
0: that Kiffin wanted that out there. That's yeah, the, and that, that's, that's the is, whole point.
3: That's an interesting way to look at it, right? Like, <laughs> say it was. That's the grenade that you're throwing out there six days before. It's just, it's yeah. insane. Again, it's never normal here. Um, I just, again, I, I like we logged off afterward, and like we have like a group text, and we were like, "Are we really doing this? Like, <laughs> really?
0: Come on!" Uh, now let me ask you this, because uh again we forget quickly we got this we live in a no one can remember hardly anything that happened last week let alone last season but I mean it it seemed like a lot of fans were were pissed at Lane Kiffin for all the Auburn drama you know he could have squashed that now he's he had his reasons not to do it now everybody's back on board we're 3-0 we're going into Alabama we're feeling good I, I don't want to look ahead too much but if Ole Miss has another you know, get your popcorn ready. And then they get blown out by Alabama. I mean, are there going to be fans that are, that are saying, what, what in the hell is this guy doing with all, I mean, this, this is great for for guys like me and you and, and fans to talk about all week, but if they just have an egg on on the field in Tuscaloosa, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to be that cute to the fans.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's the, you know, it's just the fourth year and, and there's no question that this program is a, is in a way better place than it was when he got there. That it was, it was kind of it was it was it was messy uh, when he got there and it's in a good place. It's consistent. But there still isn't that win that you look to that says that's the one where they turn the corner or, or that's the one that you can hang your hat on. I know. And obviously they went uh, 10 into his second year and made the Sugar Bowl and all that stuff. But they lost a couple big games that year. They lost they lost at Auburn and they got it handed to them in Tuscaloosa and then obviously lost the Sugar Bowl, but you can't really blame them for, for Corral getting hurt in, in that one. Right. But, um, you know, that year it was, you know, they beat Texas A&M, right? And that was the game day was here. Well, A&M didn't really end up being the team that we thought they were going to be. And then last year they beat a top 10 Kentucky team. Well, Kentucky didn't really end up being the team people thought either. And, and winning an A&M, same kind of thing. And so I think there's, and I think the way that the Alabama game went last year, that they they had it. I mean, it was it was it was right there. They're inside the red zone, chance to win at home, end all the drama, finally get you know it off, uh, get it off his chest, and, and it didn't work. And you know that was one of the moments you look to when things kind of went off the rails a little bit. You know, they started at LSU, uh, but then they did win that Texas A M game the next week. And you thought, okay, they bounced back. And then Alabama happened. And I think just the way – like that was, I think, so demoralizing to lose that game when you had it uh, right there and you had the chance to beat Bryce Young and Nick Saban at home. And, you know, that I think that would have gone a long way uh, for this program. And they didn't do it. And things went off the rails from there. And so I think there's – you know, I, I think the – would this win change everything? I, I don't, I don't know because – you know they 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 were a, a New York Six team a couple years ago. Uh, you know, and I I don't know if that's what this year's team is, but I do know that there is something to be said for exercising past demons, mm-hmm. and and Alabama is always one of those. And the last uh, really good coach at Ole Miss was able to do that. Um, and I think now that that guy is at Auburn, and he's known for uh, being the quote unquote Alabama killer. He did it twice or whatever. Known uh, for other things as well. Well, you, yes, but those are not suitable for podcasts. <laughs> not, not, not this podcast anyway. Oh, well, maybe they are, but I'm not going to get into it. But, um, but you know, I, I think when, when the last guy, or I guess two, two guys ago, the last main guy did it, uh, there's a lot of pressure on you to be like, well, why can't you do it too? You've brought all this positive attention to us and you have us, everybody's talking about us. It. Like you have to, it has to show up sometime. Like there has to be the result. And I think, you know, they've got a chance to do that coming up real soon because you've got Alabama and you get LSU at home. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, everybody thought LSU was broken. And now all of a sudden uh, it just turns out Florida State was pretty good right. uh, and, and LSU is looking pretty is looking really good again. And then you get Arkansas at home. And that's always, again, a normal one. And then you get a bye week and then you get to go to Auburn, which I'm sure will be nothing but pleasantries. And so there's just this stretch coming up where if you can win a few of those, I think you've got a chance to really sort of cement your, your brand, like your, your name on, on the program. Not like it already is. And everybody knows this is Lane Kiffin's program right now, but I think it's a chance to do something that's, that's, that's eluded them thus far. And, uh, you know, again, like winning Tuscaloosa it's hard, but Ole Miss has done it again. You know, the, the guy at Auburn did it. And so, yeah. And this is, uh, you know, as of right now, this, you know, Bryce Young isn't there. And Lane has said he's, you know, he's kind of joking, but he's he's thankful uh, that Bryce isn't there anymore. Because Bryce won that game for them last year. Um, oh, yeah. will Alabama not play very well. Um, Bryce really kind of bailed them out. And so the opportunity's there. Uh, at some point, you got to seize it, right?
0: And I think you could certainly make the case, Michael, that uh, the best player on the field on Saturday is going to be Quinshawn Junkins. Let me ask you this, though. So, how surprised are you that he's not really gotten going? And, and do you put that more on his, you know, he's nagging injuries, or do you put that on the offensive line of the the Ole Miss Rebels?
3: I, I think there's a couple parts here. Uh, one is, is he is banged up, and of course, we don't know exactly what that is because, again, it's like trying to get the nuclear codes uh, to, to figure out the injuries. <laughs> but, um, we, you know, he was in a non-contact jersey last week. We we saw that, and so we knew there was something going on, and. Uh, I think it was 13 carries for 37 yards last week. He's I don't think he's had more than 60 uh, in a game yet. Um, he's scoring touchdowns. But, you know, this is an offense that averaged 256 and a half yards rushing per game last year. I mean, it was it was the number it was the in the SEC, I think, number three nationally uh, and first among all non triple option ish kind of teams. Uh, that's what Ole Miss does. Underline. A lot of people talk about the quarterback stuff, but they run the ball and they run it really, really well, and they do it a a lot of different ways. And um, you know, I think the injuries. Yes, Uh, I don't think the offensive line has necessarily played its best yet. Uh, And I I know it was better against Georgia Tech. I think they rushed for 299 in that game, Um, but Jackson Dart had 136 of those, Uh, and so it wasn't. Again, it wasn't really. It wasn't Q. Uh, Ulysses Bentley, I think, had six carries for 61, so that was a nice thing to see, uh, at least some running back reduction, uh, explosiveness. But uh, I, you know, I don't think the offensive line's played its best game yet. But I also think it's—I think teams know if you are going to beat Ole Miss, at least the, the game plan coming into the year, if you shut down the run, put it th- put it in the quarterback's hands and, and see what happens. And thus far, Jackson Dart has been awesome. He has thrived. He has taken the game over. He is. You know that Georgia Tech game, and uh, he he did whatever he had to do. You know, I think he had 49 passing yards in the first half, 202 in the second half. Was dynamic running the ball. I mean, he was he was that guy, and he's been that guy through three games. Um, and so, you know, I think that's I think part of it is is teams is they they knew coming in that your best chance to stop the offense was to gear up to to, to shut down the run. Uh, it, it, the the problem is now the, the passing game is pretty good, and uh, you know depending on what pieces are back this week, Trey Harris is was I think he has eight catches this year and five or touchdowns. He didn't play last week. It'll be interesting to see what happens this week. Sakari Franklin hasn't played yet. Uh, the UTSA transfer, Caden score and the Memphis transfer hasn't played yet. If, if they, they those guys practiced, uh, the, those two guys practiced uh, when we were there a couple days ago. Um, you know, if you get those guys back, it's just it's now you got to stop the passing game, and if you if you try to shut that down, that's going to open up Quinchon. But again, I think health is a factor, but I think it's 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 the fact that I think teams know that your best chance to shut down the offense is to shut down the run.
0: Right. Well, you mentioned Jackson Dart. I I had to ask you about him. You're right. He's played great. He's done it multiple ways. He was, you know, the key reason they beat Tulane. But. He, much like Kiffin, I think he's going to be judged on how he does on Saturday. And that doesn't mean he, you know, they he got to win, but if he doesn't have a good game, they're, they're not going to win. And it's probably going to take his best game to date to, to get a win in Tuscaloosa. So uh, is it fair that uh, you know, he'll be judged based on, on Saturday's performance? And, and if he does have a big game, if they do win, is it time to uh, maybe start the, the Jackson Dart for
3: Heisman campaign? Well, I believe you're the one who had him at the top of your SEC quarterbacks list to start the season, correct? Yeah, I am um, num- number three. Yeah, number three. Okay, um, you're higher on him the most, and I, I, I felt pretty good that he was going to have a good year. I just note that Jackson is just one. He was so young last year. Um, it was just a, it's a tough situation. He's grown up a lot. He just looks so comfortable, and quarterbacks get a lot better uh, under year two. In year two, uh, under Lane. Um, but you know, fair or not quarterbacks get judged for wins and losses, even if it's not all on them. And like, when you look at historic quarterbacks, you you look at moments, right? You think of that, that throw against such and such on fourth down, you think of that run where they picked up the first to keep a drive going that led to the game winning, you you know, whatever, whatever it is. Like when people think of Matt Corral, they think of the, the, that rushing game against Tennessee or he ran for. God knows how many yards on like a bomb leg. Like that was one of Matt Corral's moments, right? I think we're always looking and that's part of partly probably the sports writers fault too. We're always looking for a narrative. We're looking for a moment and uh dart's been so good this year and, and he has really picked them up, but he's going to have so many chances for that moment uh, in Tuscaloosa. And like you said, I, I don't think there's any way they win. I'm not saying he has to throw for 400 yards, but I think he has to play clean. He can't mm-hmm. turn the ball over. He can't fumble. Uh, he has to make good decisions. He has to be a factor in the run game. And he's done all of those things so far. Um, but this is going to be a little bit different. And I think that uh, if, if Ole Miss is going to win, he has to play a really, really clean game. Uh, the numbers will probably look pretty good too. Uh, but I think it'll be one of those things where if Ole Miss wins, you're going to look back and say, wow, Jackson Dart had a hell of a game. And it might not show up for – 350 yards and five touchdowns but you're going to say he had some throws that that really changed momentum or, or kept drives alive and uh really kind of sunk Alabama's defense and uh yeah I mean if, if if he if he does that it's you know everybody loves quarterbacks in the SEC and there hasn't really been one who's stood out quite yet uh it's been a weird year for SEC quarterbacks you know that and so it's I mean, there's a chance here to, to really kind of seize the reins if he has a good game.
0: Now, I know it's early, and they've only played a couple games. In the toughest game they played at Tulane, they didn't even have their starting quarterback. So we have to make those notes. But can you tell uh, you know, what's different with a Pete Golding defense after three games for Ole Miss? Anything in particular stand out to you?
3: Um, you know, it's funny because... The first play against Mercer was a touchdown, right? (laughs) Uh, It was a 75-yard quarterback rush up the middle. And we all just looked at each other and like, we're doing this again? (laughs) And the last guy did this. Um, But uh, I think the biggest thing has been adjustments for the most part. In those first two games, the defense made adjustments. And that was sometimes a problem uh, the last few years was, you know, the defense would kind of just keep doing the same thing, even if it wasn't working. Um Pete Pete's really smart. He he makes adjustments and I think he understands what he has. Now Georgia Tech was a little concerning because they mounted a little bit of a of a of, of a rally in that third or late third early fourth quarter before it kind of got out of hand again. Um so that's really the first time where the adjustments maybe didn't look as as as, as good as they had, but the adjustments have been really big. Um I also think that um you know playing with you know they 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 change up their alignments uh, more than than they used to um i know people had a lot of thoughts on the on the 326 uh for for better or worse sometimes it works and sometimes uh teams will run for 300 yards against you <laughs> um so now you know it's it's interesting looking at a depth chart because you know what do we, you we really learn that much from depth chart usually not it's usually smoke and mirrors and a guy who's out for the season might be at the top still but week 1 you know you had a guy listed as defensive end week 2 he was listed as an outside linebacker so you can sort of see like the formational shifts they are they're adjusting based on opponent which isn't something that they really did the last couple of years and and golding told us he was going to do that that they don't have a quote unquote like base Set like they're not always going to be a formula man in front. It's really going to depend what's happening week to week, play to play, all that kind of stuff. And I and I think we're seeing that. So I think adjustments have been really big. Has it been perfect? No. And I think that part of that is they got so many new players uh, on defense. You know, the transfer portal. We all know how big Ole Miss is on that. And it's it's really it's evident on defense when you know all of your linebackers for the most part are new. Uh, so many of your of your your defensive backs are brand new. Uh, there's bound to be some some mishaps, right? But uh, I think for the most part, it's it, it's been pretty good. It's, it hasn't been perfect, and I think part of it is uh, part of its scheme. And I think part of it is uh, you know, Pete Golding is is he's had a lot of talent uh, in when he's in the defenses he's had for the last few years. I I don't know if that's where Ole Miss is quite yet. And I think they probably admit that too. They've got some recruiting to do on that front, and so I think part of it is learning what you have and learning where guys fit the best. But I think adjustments have been, have been pretty, have been pretty solid for the most part.
0: All right. Moment of truth, Michael, who wins a game? Ole Miss at Alabama. Have you made a prediction yet?
3: I did. Uh, I, I've, I've thought about changing it, but I'm a man of my word. <laughs> I'm going to do it. And it's, I've never been wrong ever. Um, uh, <laughs> I I have Bama by a field goal. I think I had 27-24. It's just, I know there are so many reasons why Ole Miss can win this game, and I think they can, and I think it's going to be a really good game. But, and I know Texas just beat them in Tuscaloosa, but Mm -hmm. Texas is a really good Texas (laughs) team. Uh, And they've got a dude at quarterback, too. Um, It's just hard for me to see them losing, especially like that game last week in South Florida was so bad. Like, what are the odds they play like that three weeks in a row? Right. Uh, you know, it, it's it's hard to imagine, especially in Tuscaloosa. Um, I, I know that there's there's a lot of emotions in this game. I know Ole Miss is going to be up for it, but I think Alabama probably is feeling this is important for them too. Like the Ole Miss game isn't always big for them. This is big for them because if they lose, the SEC West race is 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 a lot harder. Um, and so I think the stakes are are high for them this time. And so I think they're going to be up for it again, lose winning in Tuscaloosa is hard. Uh, I think Milro, I, I know it hasn't always been pretty and he's not Bryce Young, um, but I think he's going to break open the game a few times. And I think that's going to really, really frustrate Ole Miss's defense. Um, mm-hmm. Running quarterbacks are just so devastating. Um, and, and he's. He's not perfect throwing the ball, but man, he he's he's really dangerous with the ball in his hands, and I think that's that that could be a problem uh, for Ole Miss. So I, I think it's close, and I think it's one of those ones where uh, you know the fourth quarter, uh, someone has a chance to seize it, and you know I, I could see Ole Miss you know pulling out the late touchdown, or I could see you know Alabama kicking the late field goal. There's just I, I could see it happening either way, but I think it's going to be close, and I think Alabama's going to win it, but. Uh, this this should actually be a popcorn game.
0: Well, thoughts and prayers to you, Michael. If Ole Miss wins it, and then we'll start to hear Saban's retiring, Kiffin to Alabama rumors will run rampant, and you'll be all over that for for
3: weeks and weeks. So, I, just another. It's just another, <laughs> it's just another. It's just another <laughs> September October at Ole Miss. <laughs> yeah.
0: Before you go, could you tell the audience uh, where can they find find your work and, and give you a follow?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you can find me at djournal.com and if you are bold enough to follow the bad uh, takes on the website formerly known as Twitter uh, at Michael L K-A-T-Z. K-A-T-Z. Yeah.
0: Alright, Chase, so another great one. Two great interviews leading up to this awesome game and I've already got a uh, stunt planned for this one specifically <laughs> but y'all are gonna have to tune in 6 o'clock Eastern 5 Central Thursday as we make our SEC weekend predictions. Got anything, brother, before we hop off the line?
1: No. Good stuff. Appreciate those guys coming on and shedding some light. Man, how awesome it would be to follow Lane Kiffin, you know? And then you look up the street and see what Mississippi State's having to deal with. You (laughs) know what I'm saying? It's like, we're following Lane. And we had all the controversy last year about leaving Auburn and to go from Coach Luke to this, you know, it, it seems like that... Never a dull moment down there in Oxford. So, uh, yep. but no, this is shaping up to be a pretty, pretty exciting game. And, and like he said, you may want to actually get your popcorn ready for this <laughs> one. <you know? laughs>
0: yeah, I can't wait. I just want to say thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go balls!
1: Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin
4: Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that
2: SEC podcast. Hail State.